Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today we're with G.L. Woods. The first thing we need to know about G.L. is, well, he was something of a swashbuckling desperado on a motorbike when he was a kid. Wait a minute, swashbuckling and desperado, is that redundant? Anyway, here's the second thing you need to know about G.L. He's a witness to a miracle, if I might call it that. But let's let G.L. tell us all about it. G.L., please start from the beginning, wherever that might be. Okay. Well, listen, thanks for having me. It, uh, I uh, I was put on a dirt bike when I was a kid. My my dad kind of introduced me to motocross uh, at a very young age, and, and I probably rode 30 years uh, of my life. And I can remember kind of a common theme throughout all the years I rode was, is it always had to be fast. You know, if, if, it, wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't fast, it was boring. <laughs> and I laugh because I, when I look back, because the number plate on my motorcycle was actually 911. Oh, wow. And, oh, yeah. So I, I always kind of teased the guys I rode with. And I said, you know, don't try to keep up unless you're prepared to call 911 because you're probably going to get hurt. I mean, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and I even I had this thing, this this motto that I that I kind of rode with. And I, I thought, you know, if you're not crashing every once in a while, uh, you're not riding fast enough. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, and it, it sounds crazy. And it's in, you know, when you think that way, I mean, I had the the stitches and the times in the hospitals and the surgeries and all that stuff that goes with that mentality. You know, I, I kind of chalked it up. It was, that was the price I had to pay to play. Wait a minute. GL, weren't you, you know, uh, afraid of at least pain? You know, i not really. And I hate to say that, but it was, it was crazy because, you know, uh, it was costing me. I I was, I kind of considered it the, you know, it was no different than like, buying boots and helmets and fuel and equipment <laughs> it was just the cost i had to pay you know at the end of the year the medical was just part of the deal you know just, but it was the way i thought <laughs> it came with the territory oh it did and and so you know i i had the i had the experiences that uh, that should have slowed me down but they just never did wow. and so but but on this particular day on on october the 15th 2004 everything changed and so i was uh I was actually on a three-day riding trip uh, down in West Virginia, riding like the coal, the mountain coal mining areas, you know, really rugged, you know, remote area. Right. And I, I had done this ride probably seven or eight times before. And on this particular day, it was the very first day of, of this weekend ride. And I was on this mountain trail. It was probably an hour, maybe an hour and a half up into the mountain. And, man, I was flying. I mean, I was cooking. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! How how fast were you going? You know, for for this for this particular trail, I was probably riding double what I should have been riding. I mean, I really was. I was I was going. I was cooking. And when I rounded the corner, there was, there was kind of a hairpin corner on this trail, and I was in shock because I realized that there were two ATVs that were on the trail with me, but they were coming down out of the mountain, and I was going up in the mountain. Oh boy. And, Oh yeah. So in all the commotion, I got sent over the handlebars head first, and I've always kind of described it. It was like, you know, the the the, the thing you always hear, you know, it happened so fast, but yet everything was in slow motion. 
<laughs> right. Okay. So, and I'm I'm flying. I mean, I'm I'm literally flying in midair, and I could see this rock, and it was about the size of a beach ball, and it was you know kind of sticking out of the side of the, of the trail, the other mountain. And I knew I was going to that rock, and it, but I didn't hear. It was all everything was like dead silence. I didn't hear anything while I was you know in midair until the moment of impact. And I can I mean it's been sixteen years later now, and I can still hear the sound that my head made. And it was it was brutal. And and I I hit it I hit this rock and it, you know and I started to tumble. And and as I'm tumbling I you know, I can see like my arm go past my helmet, you know, my, and I you know, I thought, man, that's my hand, you know, and I, I remember I tumbled again and I I saw the boot, you know, that I that I put on that morning, my boot went past my face and I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, and so I came to a stop, and I couldn't breathe. And you know, I, I, I mean, I'd knocked the wind on myself a, a lot of times before, but but this was different. And I and I, it was at that moment that I panicked because I realized that I had knocked the wind on myself at all. Um, I had just paralyzed myself from my neck down. Well, hold on here for a sec. So in that moment, you realize you're paralyzed. You actually can you know that that's what's happened. Yeah. Yeah. What was going through your mind? Well, the very first thought that went through my mind actually was, you know, did I just die? You know, mm-hmm. am, am I, I really thought, am I dead? And the reason why I thought that was because my mind was still working, you know, like my mind always did. Yeah. But it was attached to a corpse. Because I I had, from basically from my head down, I had nothing. I, I didn't even know that my body was even there. Wow. You know, I, I couldn't feel it. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't move it. I couldn't feel it. The only thing that I could, that was actually functioning was my brain. And I actually thought for a second, maybe, you know, did I just die? Is this heaven? Uh, yeah, that's what I thought. In, in my, you know, is this is this what I think it might be? You know, that's what I thought. Yeah. And I always, I always tell people, you know, that was, to me, that was my moment of truth because, what I found was, you know, at that very moment, you know, I, I had allowed myself through my adolescence and through my early adult years, I kind of allowed myself to, to let the world, um, you know, uh, lean on me and make me think what, what I, you know, what the world thought was important. You know, the world said, you know, make sure you're spending all your time and your energy, you know, getting the biggest house and the nicest car and the bank account, all the things the world says that's important. And I overemphasize. I did that. I overemphasized, you know, and I and I didn't put enough emphasis on the things and really people that was more important. So I always call that the moment of truth because at that moment, I could have cared less about how big my house was or you know what I had parked in the driveway or the amount of money I had in the bank. That's remarkable in that moment, that discovery. Well, and and to this day, I would give every material thing I own today if I could just have my body back. Because at that moment, I mean, at that, at that time, the, the, the one thing that crossed my mind as I kind of somewhat calmed down is I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, you know, if I can't, if I can't move my arms and my legs anymore, how am I ever going to be able to hug my kids again? That's, that's, the only, that's the thing that kind of went through my mind. Wait a minute. Tell us how many kids you had at the time. We, at, at that time, and, and it probably couldn't have been worse time because we had – we had just been, my wife and I had been married by that time. We'd been married 18 years Mm. and we had just had twins four years earlier. Okay. Mm. So we, we had a boy and a girl. We'd never had kids up to that point. 
and our twins were getting ready to turn four years old. In fact, we had just built a new home even. I mean, it was, it was totally devastating. And I, I, you know, at that moment, I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? You know, I, I, I've done the unthinkable. And I was so far up in the mountain that, you know, it took the, the, the people that were there had to go, you know, I was about an hour, hour and a half up in the mountain. So those folks wow. that were there had to go down the mountain to find help. Oh, gosh. And by the time they rounded up help and that help had to come back up that same distance back up to find me, and they had to get me, you know, stabilized and, all, and then get me down the mountain, uh, they got me to the, to the mountain, the base of the mountain, and they were wanting to to fly me out. Did they have to, by the way, did they have to carry you down? I mean, how else did you get down? They put me on a, on a backboard and actually put me, strapped me to like a, like an ATV, like a, it was a, I think it was like a Kawasaki mule is what it was. And they strapped me to the back of it. And I mean, it was brutal. It was a brutal trip down. Wow. And so they were wanting to, you know, fly me out by helicopter. But the, the day we were riding was like really nasty, drizzly, you know, it was great for riding, but it wasn't good for anything else. And so all the helicopters got grounded that day. Oh, and gosh. So, yeah, so they, they uh-huh. load me into this ambulance, and they drive me to, like, a regional, you know, local hospital. You know, I kind of call it like a Band-Aid hospital, you know. Yeah. And, of course, they took one look and said, you, you can't stay here. You, we, we are not prepared for this, you know. So they loaded me back into the ambulance, and they took me uh, – it was over 100 miles Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> so the, yeah, so the next larger hospital. And what, what that meant was from the time that I actually had my crash to the time I, I showed up at a real hospital uh, was over 12 hours. Wow, that, that must have been uh, an eternity for you. Uh, it was, I, I, I can't even tell you, I, there's no words that can describe how devastating it was. It was, and, and the, the ironic part of it was, um, you, you remember the actor that played uh, Superman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeves, I believe. For Reeves. Christopher Reeves had just died on that Monday. You know, of course, he got paralyzed from the, the horse riding accident. That's right. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. So he he, uh, he was paralyzed, and then on that Monday, he had finally passed away. So the news was, like, showing – or I remember earlier that week, the news was showing, like, clips of him in his wheelchair and his on the ventilator and all that stuff. And I thought to myself, man, that, that would be a horrible life. You know, and I kind of almost thought to myself, you know, I was glad you know, that his struggle was over. Yeah. And, and five days later it was me, you know, I, I, I was in that. And so when I finally got to the hospital and it was like, my crash was like two o'clock in the afternoon, but I didn't arrive at this, at this larger hospital until like two o'clock in the morning. And they do all these, you know, scans and, and MRIs and all this stuff. And then, so the doctor comes into my room and I kind of played dumb on the thing. And I said, you know, all right, so, you know, how long am I going to be paralyzed? <laughs> and I can still, to this day, I can still see the look on his face. And he said, Mr. Woods, I'm sorry, but I don't think you understand. There is nothing we can do for you. Wow. You've, you've damaged your spinal cord so severely. We can't, there's no surgery. There's nothing we can do. You've, you've, you've done it. And well, what, did, what did you say? And what were you thinking? Okay. Well, it, it, I was so devastated. It was, it was, I was sick to my stomach. I mean, I was, yeah. I was distraught. My wife, uh, she had that, that same weekend that I was going to go to West Virginia and ride. She decided she was going to take our twins back to Missouri to visit with family. And so they kept saying, well, you've got to call your wife. You've got to call your wife. I was so devastated, you know, because 
I could not bring myself to tell her that I just destroyed our family. Mm. I laid in the hospital till the second day before I would even allow them to call her. Wow. She was in the dark. Yeah, she didn't even know what happened. She just assumed we were still riding. She had no idea it even happened. And and I was I, I truly at that point felt like I, I just thought, you know, God has thrown me in the trash. And honestly, oh. I, I probably couldn't have faulted him for it had he done that. Wait, why do you say that? Well, you know, I I uh, I grew up in the church, and I, I knew God was who he was, but I allowed myself to get distracted. You know, I... I allowed I allowed myself to 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 convince convince myself that I was too busy. You know, I I oh I might go to church every once in a while, but it, there was no relationship there. Yeah. And I I just I felt like I was too busy for God, and I knew that I knew there was parts of my life that God frowned on. I mean, I I knew that, but I what I happened is you know I kind of convinced myself that you know, that was okay. I'll I'll just make sure that someday before I die, I'll you know God and I'll reconcile. I'll I'll straighten up and he'll be happy and we'll all be good and i almost didn't get that chance and that so that that scares me you know and, and when yeah. i look back it was it was just totally it was total devastation I and mean, it couldn't describe it any different well i can't even imagine and they when i saw so i was down there and they uh they said okay we're gonna because you know we we live in indiana and uh you know which is a couple states away naturally so they they decided that they would load me onto a medical jet and they would fly me back to Indiana. So they, you know, they loaded me up, and we went back to Indiana, and and I was sent to uh, Indianapolis's largest hospital, which I had actually been there before. Sadly, they had done a number of surgeries on me before when I had, some, you know, it, it makes me sound stupid, but you know, it's the way it was. And so when they ran all the scans and all the tests, because I kind of thought, well, maybe they've got a different idea or maybe a different crew of doctors that they can do something, and and they reran all the scans and the tests. And when they came back with the same the same answer, you know, they, Mr. Woods, we're sorry. There's nothing we can do. Now, I I knew I had actually really done it then. I mean, I I knew it was final. Wow. And and at what point did you share this with your wife? Well, by then she had, you know, I was the second day she finally was contacted and ended up coming to West Virginia. And then of course she flew back to Indiana with me on the medical jet. So you, nice. know, but, you know, it was it was a couple days later, but. At that point, it, it was uh, she. We both knew that it was it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. Yeah. What was her, what was what was her reaction to this? Well, you know, I think it was shock. I think it was like me. It was it was shock because, you know, her and I both we had you know we had experienced and seen people that were paraplegics and quadriplegics, and I think she thought like I thought is you know that's that's really really sad, but thank goodness that'll never happen to me. Mm, yeah, I don't think either one of us really thought that we'd ever have to experience it face to face, and and so it was yeah. shocking. And they uh, they had made the decision that they would then send me to to live in a rehabilitation hospital. And uh, I'm gonna tell you what, going to that facility was the most humbling experience of my life. Why is that? Well, you know, there, there's a passage in Luke that that talks about you know Luke eighteen fourteen it says you know for he who exalts himself. Uh, will be humbled, uh, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And I spent a lot of my life exalting myself, and, and I got <laughs> humbled, you know, because all of a sudden I was having to count on total strangers to do everything. I mean, they were from feeding me. I mean, can you imagine a total stranger having to brush your teeth for you? No. 
it was, you know, and they were putting my clothes on me and feeding me and brushing my teeth. It was humbling. I mean, it was really, really humbling. And so, you know, I'd have visitors. All my friends and family would come, and I'd try to throw on the happy face and, and be upbeat. But, you know, when all the visitors went home, I, I thought to myself, I can't do this. In fact, I, I, I prayed to God harder than I have ever prayed in my life. And I, I said, you know, I said, Lord, if you have got, if this is what you've got in mind for me, uh, well, I, please let me just die. I, I I was totally ready for that. I mean, I I just couldn't see myself going on. You wanted to you wanted to die. I did. I really did. And I I thank him every day. You know, that's not really what he had in mind. I I didn't see it at the time. It looked pretty dark at the time. Um, but I had I had a turning point. One they they had brought a young man in that was going to share my room uh, there at the rehab hospital. This guy he was about my age, and and actually he. Um, he was paralyzed from his neck down. He'd been that way for like 20 years. Wow. His girlfriend had shot him in the neck. And she, and it was not an accident. She'd done it on purpose. And when the doctor came in and, and was talking to this guy, come to find out, he said, you know, we the doctor's like, we'd like to get you to sit up in a wheelchair. When was the last time you sat up? And, and this guy goes, 1997. <laughs> well, you know, this was 2004. Wow. And so all of a sudden I thought, my gosh, this guy has been on his back for seven years. I felt so guilty because I'd been living life and not really not appreciating much of it, you know, uh, all the things that I was having given. And this guy had been staring at the ceiling for seven years. And that was my turning point because at that point I felt God speak to my heart. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, feeling like I'm not sure how this is going to turn out. But I, I remember thinking I'll be able to just handle it. You know, it'll be I'll be able to I'll be okay whether whether I'm still paralyzed. It'll it'll be okay. I'll be it'll be it'll be doable. You know, is what I thought. Well, wait a minute. So, GL, like when you say that, what was it about seeing this and witnessing this other individual that kind of gave you hope for yourself? What was the spark, if you will, about it? Well, I just. I don't know if I just thought to myself, um, you know, these, these type of things happen to somebody. Why not me? You know, you know, because yeah, I, I, I did the why, you know, why me for a minute, and I thought, oh, wait a minute, it, it happens to all kinds of people. I, I'm no, you know, I'm no better than anybody else. You know, so I remember at that point I was ready to fight, and I was yeah. ready, you know, I wanted to to persevere, and uh, uh, you know, I I got to a point that I started going around telling the doctors and the nurses. I got so motivated and so um, ready to fight. I, I started telling you know, when it comes time to leave here, I'm going to walk out of here. And I remember telling a couple nurses that and getting the you know, the look. You know, this. this <laughs> I mean, because it probably it sounded ridiculous, I'm sure, because at that at that time I couldn't even call the nurses into my room because I couldn't move my hands. They they actually took a like a nurse call button and they laid it on my pillow. They pinned it to my pillow, so if I needed somebody, I had to roll my head over onto it. You know that's how wow. that's how bad it was. Well, wait a minute. What's this look that they gave you when you said, you know what, you're going to walk out of here? What was that look? It was like this blank. It was almost a look like, oh, you know, Mr. Woods, don't you know, don't do that to yourself. Don't don't set <laughs> yourself up for that because I mean it it did. It yeah. probably had to sound totally crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, I was ready. I was ready to fight, and I was I was ready to get home. I wanted to get home and, and be the husband and the wife that she needed, and, and the dad to my kids that they needed. I was, you know, I just I knew that there was something to still live for, and, and even though maybe life was going to be different, 
it was still going to be good. You know, people struggle. I mean, I get that. I, I hear people come up to me all the time today, and I hear, you know, heart-wrenching struggles that people go through. Well, you know, I realize that's life, yeah. and, and life isn't always perfect. But, it, but you know, it doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. Yeah. Well, so so as you're fighting for your life, really, if you if you will, what happens? How, you know, how are you able to kind of struggle through this? Well, you know, I, there was there was a time that when I would be in the rehab, and this was a big rehab facility. You know, they had they didn't just have you know quadriplegics and paraplegics, but they had you know brain injury people and strokes and I mean really serious stuff and. And as I looked around the like therapy gym and would see people with their own their own battles, and I thought, you know what, you know, uh, some of the brain injury patients didn't even know who they were, and I thought, you know, at least I've got my mind. I know who I am. I know, you know. So I, I just remember thinking it'll be okay. Like so I wasn't sure I was going to walk, and I, I kind of kept telling myself maybe I would, but I I didn't know that for sure at the time. And it was so funny because uh, I was in the rehab hospital so long. We became my wife and I became pretty good friends with one of the therapists, and so she uh, she had actually gone on a little short vacation, and it just so happened that the time that she left, I had figured out how to stand out of my power wheelchair. You know, it wasn't like I would stand up for a couple seconds and kind of flop back in the chair. <laughs> and so, so I'm in my in my room one day, and one of the the nurses comes in and goes, "Hey, gee, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Amy, which is my therapist, Amy's back from vacation." And I was like, oh my gosh, that's exciting. She, you know, she hasn't, she doesn't know the progress I've made. And, you know, so I said, yo, you've got to put me in my wheelchair. And so they, you know, they pick me up and they strap me into my power wheelchair and I go flying down to the therapy gym. And, <laughs> and Amy, Amy's actually with another patient. And I, so I roll up to him and I'm like, you know, I know this is rude. I'm sorry. I know you're in the middle of this, but Amy, you got to see this. And so I've got like the whole, you know, Amy and her, her other patient, I've got the rest of the therapy gym. They're all, I've got their attention, you know? Yeah. And so I, I slowly step up out of my wheelchair, and, and, and Amy and I are kind of making eye contact, and I'm thinking she's going to really be excited. And the look on her face was, like, horrified. And I thought, okay, that's not really the look I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my, my kid brother was actually with me, and he goes, uh, hey, dude, uh, your pants fell down. <laughs> 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 and the, the nurse that addressed me that morning forgot to tie the drawstrings on my sweats. And, and the only thing Amy said was, oh, nice. <laughs> oh, boy. But, you know, at it, that, it, that moment I had to think, you know, it's, I had to just laugh at myself. And I, and yeah. I couldn't wait to get home. And, and I couldn't wait to, to, to be dad again and, and my, and my uh, husband and my wife. And, and it I just knew that, that I wanted to get home and, and teach my kids, you know, what happiness is because I had, I had tricked myself and allowed the, the, the world to tell me what I thought happiness was. And, and I've realized happiness boils down to trusting God. You know, I, yeah. I, I trust, I trust his plan now. And I don't know that I could say that before, but I do now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was that plan? What was the plan? I mean, from this point forward? Well, you know, I was going to take it day by day and just as he opened doors, uh, you know, just kind of see what that plan was. And, you know, the initial was just recovery, you know, just get back to being able to do something and be productive and, you know, enjoy life and, 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 and those type of things. 
And then the doors started opening, and, and God started really revealing his plan uh, that I didn't expect. I did, I did not understand, you know, what, what he had in mind. And so what happened was, as time went on, I started getting a, a, a different events, different places, uh, say, hey, you know, we, Gio, we'd like to have you come and tell your, share your story. And I thought, you want to hear my story? That's kind of weird, you know. And, yeah. and it, uh, initially it was like, you know, maybe churches, and then it was, colleges and universities, and then it was, uh, you know, some, like these type of things, radio and some TV things, and and the 700 Club actually had called and uh, a, a while back and did a story, and I thought, you know, this is, it's starting to, under, I'm starting to understand this, and so I, I literally sat down one day at the at the computer, and I was never really a good typist, and, you know, even before my accident, but see, now, I've kind of lost the dexterity in one of my hands, and so I was literally sitting down with the the one finger hunting peck, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start I'm gonna start putting down in words. And I thought, good grief, this is gonna take me forever. I'll be dead before this is done. <laughs> Wait a minute, Gio. Let me let me stop you right there. So you you you've been in the hospital. You're beginning to uh, move a little bit, but you know. And we're running out of time here, but what happened in terms of your injury? Uh, I mean, to what extent were you able to to get more movement out of your body? So I'm I'm literally every night I, I would have visitors in the day, and then it, when they would go home, I'd have the rest of the night to just lay in bed motionless because I couldn't move, and I'd be all by myself. And so I every single night when I was in the rehab hospital, I would. You know, I would look at my hands. I could see them laying there on the bed, and I would look at my hands thinking, oh, you know, my mind knew what it wanted to do. My mind was telling my hands, oh, you know, fingers move. And my mind, I would play this kind of this game every night, you know, trying to tell my, tell my hands and my fingers to do something, and nothing would happen. And this happened night after night after night after night, and I'd play this little game. And one night, I'm actually laying there in bed, and it's about nine, ten o'clock at night. I'm doing the same thing. I'm looking at my hands, my fingers, and I'm just trying to I'm trying to will them to move. And there's just you know, and my index finger kind of shook for a minute. Wow. And I thought, whoa, hang <laughs> on. And I and I kind of tried to do it, and it shook it shook again. My you know, my my brain was actually making it twitch, and I. And so here I am, I'm, you know, I'm banging my head on the nurse call button. I'm like, you got to come in and see this. you got to see this. You know, I'm all excited. Yeah. And, and time literally went from just a little bit of twitch and, and, and movement in my fingers that all of a sudden my wrists started moving a little bit. And then my, you know, my elbow, I could move my elbow a little bit. And that was, it was just, it was monumental. I mean, things started to happen and started to move and, and they were amazed. Well, how do you account for that? I mean, the doctors had told you this was, there was nothing you could do. I mean, this was it. Yeah, and and I, you know, I, I just know at that point, God had put comfort on me early on. I knew he had done that. And and even the doctors, you know, the, uh, they they were they were quick to to acknowledge that this this is uh this is beyond our uh, our expertise and our the, you know, and I think I think there were so many people that were around me at that time that in just said, you know what, this is unbelievable. This, I mean, there is, somebody is in control here, and it's not us. And, and, <laughs> and I, at that point, I knew, I knew God was shining on me. And I said, and I didn't deserve it. I, I, to this day, I, I don't know why, you know, that he shined on me like he has. I really don't, you know, but, but, uh, but he did. And, and I'm so grateful. 
it is. I I know in my heart that he had shined on me and, and brought brought healing on me, and uh, and I didn't deserve it. I, I just know that for sure. Well, GL, we're, as I said, we're unfortunately running out of time here. But so, where are you now, and and what's your condition uh, as we speak? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I walk with a cane. Uh, I, I've lost a fair amount of dexterity in my right hand, which unfortunately I was right-handed from the beginning, and so that, that doesn't help anything. But I'm able to walk with a cane. I, I, I've been out of the wheelchair for a lot of years now, uh, and uh, um, you know I'm able to function. I you know I, I drive, I work, I you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to run the 50 yard dash anytime soon, but that, that's overrated. <laughs> who, who is? <laughs> yeah. Who wants to do that? You know, that's no fun, but uh, you know, I, I, I have a total out, a different outlook on life and, and uh, well, which is what, so I live my life knowing today that, you know, I, I don't really know why God has done for me what he's done, but I will spend the rest of my life proving to him that he made a good decision. That's, that's well, how I, that's how I live my life. Well, GL, I, it's such an incredible, beautiful story, and unfortunately, we're out of time. But I, 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 I'm so grateful that you shared it with us. It's 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 really uh, just amazing. So uh, I, I want to thank you, uh, GL, for for sharing it with us. I'm honored that you would have me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.